Stories, fables, ghostly tales. Welcome listeners to your Creepy Monday. I haven't done a creepy or eerie story in a long while, mate, and today I'm bringing you two stories. Our first tale is all about bunnies. Cute little bunnies with an adorable purple streak. Hmm, I wonder what that's all about. And you know what's weird? That these bunnies just seem to always turn up when our protagonist is in the most trouble. But bunnies, hooray! And our second story is all about a necklace that has an eye of its own. Wait, a mind of its own. Wait, both. Join me, listeners, for something different and special, just like you lot. Let's sink our teeth into it. Enjoy. I used to love my funny fairy bunnies. They would always come when I was scared or lonely. Sometimes when I was in trouble, they'd keep me company. From the closet, the onslaught of soft, lucky little feet would come parading to my bedroom. The bunnies would come in a horde, like a wiggling carpet of white and purple. Their fluffy little tails were a gentle poof of lavender always racing to keep up with the chubby yet swift rumps, white as snow. They were so cute, so lovable. I must have been around seven years old when I first started seeing them. At first it was just one, the strangest little ball of fluff, as it hesitantly approached me to cuddle. I could see it was undulating a ripple of purple, like a gentle ribbon that constantly glided down its body. From nose to tail, I suppose it was testing the waters, because the next night, there were at least a dozen, all rippling, purple and white, all eager to snuggle up with me in the sanctuary of my bed. I vaguely understand now, with the help of Dr. Terence, why they started visiting me to begin with, although I still can't fathom the earlier events with much clarity. Trauma can be like that. It's a fickle and inconsistent miasma that lays dormant, hidden and unknown for what feels like an eternity. Then it bounces up and nips at your ankles when you least expect it. Or worse. From what I can recall, I was always afraid of my mother's boyfriend, Hank. I don't really remember why, but I know he was good at pretending to be nice. I think I saw a side of him that no one else did. How do I know this information with such vagary? I remember it because the bunnies remembered it. Perhaps they knew more, but this is all they wanted me to know. Now, from the objective facts and what I've been told since, Hank was murdered. No one knew who or why at the time. No one except me, of course. Me and the bunny. Hank was found stuffed into my closet, after having been missing for a few days. I didn't know he was in there, truly. I noticed a bad smell coming from the closet. I dared not open it, as I knew the bunnies were shy. They only wanted to come out when they were ready and not a moment earlier. After telling my mother about the smell, she came to investigate. Once she caught a whiff of the putrid air around the closet, she immediately ordered me to wait in the kitchen. 
I don't remember if she screamed. She could have. It certainly wouldn't have been unreasonable. What I do remember was the police showing up. They were very nice to me, but the bunnies didn't like how much time they spent in my room, in the closet. They told me so a few days later, when I was allowed to sleep in my room again. Some months later, a storage lot that Hank had rented out for years ran dry of his money. According to their policies, they tried to contact him, to no avail. They proceeded to empty out the content of the lot and uncovered what was described as a kiddie porn dungeon. Now that I'm older, I can't help but wonder if there were pictures of me in there. I can't pinpoint exactly when things turned sour between the bunnies and I. I was only a child after all. I started growing resentment toward the world. Nothing intense or existential, more like the typical angst acquired through one's preteen years. I always felt like no one could understand me. No one even tried. I suppose it sounds childish, but even at that age, I still clung to my funny furry bunnies. They were all I really had, after all. I met my first boyfriend around that time. Stan was his name. He was a good person deep down. But we're all a little rambunctious and mixed up at 13, right? Anyways, Stan and I had a bad breakup. He told me that he was falling in love with my best friend, Gwen. She told me she didn't like him that way. But I started seeing her less and less. Then I started seeing her with Stan. The funny furry bunnies were the only ones who really listened. The only ones who really cared. I knew they felt upset because I felt upset. Things took a twisted turn after I caught Stan and Gwen together. There was a spot in the parklands that my father took me to when I was really young, before he passed away. It was a ways off the trails, but there was a beautiful little creek. When I was about 12 years old, I rediscovered it, and I made it my special place, my secret water spot. Sometimes, somehow, the bunnies would join me there. They always knew how to find me. I showed the spot to Gwen. We'd promised to be friends forever. It was a poignant betrayal that I not only caught my ex-boyfriend with my best friend, but at my safe haven too. I never thought I'd trust anyone ever again. Despite my anger and frustration, I wasn't happy at all to find out what happened to them. Their remains were discovered at the secret water spot. Apparently their bodies had been torn to shreds and feasted on by wild animals. Everyone assumed it was rats, but I knew better. I told the bunnies to leave me alone, that I never wanted to see them again. And they listened. They stayed away for a while. Whether they intended for me to be caught, I can't truly say. But deep down, I really think they were trying to help me as always. The final victim was my landlord, Barry, just a few weeks ago. I was a little behind on my rent, only one paycheck out, but he was pressing me really hard about it. He always made uncomfortable little hint at me. He even outright asked me if I'd take it in the ass once. After a few days of him hounding me, he offered to let it slide, if I'd be willing to let it slide. I tried to shrug it off and play dumb, but he grabbed me. I slapped him slammed the door and chain-locked it. The next morning, I woke to find out 
One of my funny furry bunnies cuddled up next to my head. At first I was happy to see it, as much as I'd hated what they'd done. I still missed the love and unconditional support. It didn't dawn on me until I got out of bed. Why would they come back? Why now? My mind began to race. Who's it going to be? Unfortunately for me, I didn't need to go far. In the entranceway, propped against the door, was the mutilated, half-eaten corpse of Barry. The hallway itself was a horror show. You could almost imagine exactly what happened. The gnawed bits of flesh on the floor were the first of the bunnies attacked. The bloody streaks on the walls, where he tried to prevent falling into the sea of ravenous, gnashing teeth as he hopelessly struggled for the door. When being interviewed by the police, I decided to lay all my cards on the table. I told them all about the bunnies, about Hank, and about Stan and Gwen. They were much more willing to hear me out than I was expecting. Of course, they didn't believe me. Which brings me to my cell. Better than a prison, but ultimately just as damning. The doctors poke and prod me, and force me full of pills. Sometimes I'm asked to relive certain experiences that I don't remember. I haven't been here long, but I guess the world is a safer place with me here. I don't know what the bunnies are up to, but I know they can't harm people, not through me at least. As I feel the loneliness settle in, after my last session with Dr. Terence, I see a quick and tiny shadow under the door, then a few more. I get down on my hands and knees as a pit forms in my stomach. Looking forward, through the crack under the door, I see an army of funny, furry legs. February 8th, 2022 Hi, I guess I just wanted to open this blog because some strange stuff has been happening. It's been happening ever since I brought this evil eye necklace from the local antique shop. I suppose I bought it on a whim, at a discount price. I saw it was an easy buy. The necklace itself, it stares. I swear. It isn't, but I feel that it's following me around with its eye. It doesn't blink, and I know it can't be, but that freaks me out even more. But I swear I've caught it blink, I'm sure I have. On occasion when I do wear it, I receive glares or glasses. It feels like they know something I don't. Some hidden secret that everyone knows but me. I don't know if the glances and glares are directed toward me or the necklace. After wearing it for some time, I gained a strong feeling that something was up. This necklace? There has to be something wrong with it. The eye, I'm telling you, watches me and blinks. I'm hoping I can get some answers soon because this thing legit creeps me out. February 16th, 2022. I finally gathered enough courage to search Evil Eye on Google. Supposedly, it's believed to be a protection charm, warding off people's ill intentions by glaring at them with inhumaneness yet unknown to man. Honestly, I don't understand how it can do that. I doubt that it's able to anyway. This is probably some junk item that's so ugly that people look at me funny. I'm going to return it tomorrow. I can't stand to have it anymore. February 17th, 2022. 
Well, it looks like the evil eye is going to be with me a little longer than I intended. I asked the cashier if I could return it, and she told me I could only do so with a receipt. At the thought of the receipt buried deep in my trash can, my downcast face must have told the cashier everything she needed to know. She assured me to remember next time, and that I'd be able to return anything as long as I had the receipt. It looks like I and the evil eye are going to be the best of friends until I find a way to get rid of it. These blogs are lucky to either stop entirely or slow down for the time being. Thankfully, nothing's happened with the eye, so I don't think I'll need to keep up these mini-reports. I honestly think the stress from high school and life in general has been getting to me. I mean, I'm overreacting over a little necklace. Still, my nerves urge me to leave it in my junk drawer and just in case. February 22nd, 2022. I debated overwriting this due to how stupid it sounded in my head. Yet here I am with another report. I'm convinced I had a nightmare about the necklace, a big room with black walls surrounding me, and there were scribbled white lines scattered around. They reminded me of the crude attempt at a toddler's drawing of a straight line. Opposite of me, I saw the display case that showcased the evil eye necklace. I began to walk towards it. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw the lines shift, morphing into a distorted image of a strong, jagged line, akin to barbed wire, before they transformed into eyes. I froze mid-step. I looked at one of them. The size of it was so big, so large and imposing that I shivered, and the hairs on my arms rose. It didn't blink even once as I continued to gaze at it. The eye's vivid iris rivaled its tiny white pupil. There was a deep yellow circle that framed the eye, and something seeped out from the eye's black cornea. It was a thick black sludge with veins and arteries that popped out, close to breaking entirely. It seeped to the ground and snaked towards me. I finally got a hold of my body as I sprinted to the display case. Every step I took felt like quicksand as my feet bled straight into the ground. With every step, the display case would go farther away. Somehow, I reached the case and the eyes shut with an audible crunch. The sound mimicked that of a person's bones being broken and cracked. My sweaty hand opened the case. And with my loose grip, the necklace almost fell from my hands. I recoiled at the sight of it. A piece of string was attached to the blood-soaked human eye. The red cornea had yellow lines that appeared to be toxic to the touch. The slitted pupil focused on me. The nerves of it hung behind it akin to spiderwebs. My fingers grazed them. The thin feeling of it told me that with ease, I would be able to squeeze it and that it would burst. Put it on. Put it on. Put it on. My fingers latched onto the string and I felt the nerves skim over me as I put it on. It began to tighten, strangling me, as I gasped for air and I fell on my back. My hands stretched outward as they kept getting tighter and stronger than before. Right as I began to feel my eyes roll back, I woke up shaking and hyperventilating. I noticed that my drawer was left open. 
so I went to close it. But when I looked inside, I realized that the necklace was gone. I immediately began to search my entire room, but to no avail. As I was searching, I noticed my reflection in the mirror and saw that I was wearing the necklace the whole time. There was even a scar that wrapped around my neck. At this point, I had enough of all this crap. So I tried removing the necklace from me, but I couldn't take it off. It felt like my fingers were passing through the string. I grabbed a pair of scissors from the junk drawer and cut the string in half. Within seconds, it sewed itself back together. I tried feeling around my neck, but I felt this weird bump on the back. I grazed my fingers around it, and my heart stopped. The string entered through one side of the bump and out of the other. The necklace had embedded itself into my skin. February 27th, 2022, things just keep getting worse. When I tell people what happened in my nightmare and the eye in general, they look at me like I escaped from an insane asylum. I show them the back of my neck, but they always say that there's nothing wrong. They sometimes offer me a drink or something to make me feel better. I think what they feel is pity for someone who they imagine is so distressed that they are hallucinating. The nightmares happen every night, and my vision started to get worse as well. I visited my local optometrist, and they did an eye test, but I retained my 20 by 20 vision. Everything has become blurry at the edges, and I feel tears running down my cheeks. Even if I'm not feeling sadness or have any reason to cry, I think I'm going insane. March 1st, 2022. I'm struggling to type this. My whole body aches and the back of my neck burns with a fire that I know is a higher temperature than lava. I have to destroy it. I have to. I have to. I can't write much more. I feel like I'm going to pass out. This may be my last post. After I'm done with this, I'm going to rip off the string behind my neck. It's the only way to do it. I can't last another night with that damn necklace staring into my soul. God, please help me. March 3rd, 2022. Everything hurts. There's so much pain in my entire body that I feel numb. It even hurts to breathe. I tried. I tried. I tried to destroy it. I tried to stop it. But all my efforts were in vain. I woke up in the middle of the night to my neck searing with pain. I practically fell out of my bed trying to tear the string off my skin. I screamed and shouted as I felt the skin on the back of my neck tear off with a loud rip. I slammed the necklace down onto the floor as hard as I could and the eyes split in half. I lied down on my knees and took a long sigh of relief. I thought it was over. I thought I'd overcome the eye's malevolent stare. That was before I saw the navy blue liquid seeping out of the eye. I stared in horror as the same nerves of the human eye in my nightmare extended out, and the thick liquid from the larger eye flew at me as it popped and sizzled. I got up in an instant and tried to run to the door, 
but it grabbed my legs and dragged me across the floor. It was warm, similar to lukewarm water. It was smooth and slimy as it wrapped around my leg, crawling up my body. But then a searing pain replaced the previous warmth. I felt the flames wrap around me, setting me up for a casket as my skin peeled off, exposing bone and blood. It covered my entire body, embedding itself into me. The pain never ended. My arms felt heavy and I heard the tear of muscle and cracking of bones as they collided with the floor. I screamed. My vocal cords broke from how hard I did so. I gurgled as the liquid entered my body. My fallen arms twitched, shrinking and contracting while my hands simply laid there, colorless and dead. The liquid that covered my body began to morph. Some of the liquid on my armless stumps began to detach from my body, and they molded into new hands, which held razor-sharp claws. The liquid covering my legs began to contract, my leg bones cracking and dissolving under the pressure. I lost my balance and fell on my side as I tried ripping off the liquid with my claws. My bottom half twisted and elongated, forming into a kind of ghost tail. I almost thought it was over, but my face twisted and writhed. My skin peeled off, sliding down to the floor. With a wet slap, the liquid sealed my mouth shut, covering my face like a mask. I felt my eyes dislodge from their sockets as they merged into one. I howled in pain and clutched at my face with my claws, which embedded into my skin, cutting my face open. I saw in a nearby mirror that a large light blue eye formed on my face, which had become more rounded. My new singular eye was the only thing that rose from the liquid covering my head. Finally, the liquid on the back of my head began to harden, becoming five spikes on the back of my head. The pain subsided after some time and the liquid cooled, colored my skin jet black. The entire process was too much for my new body to bear and I felt my body go numb before collapsing on the floor. It was over for now. All I can ask now is why? Why did I have to turn into this abomination? Why couldn't anyone believe me when I told them my story? Why did I even decide to buy that cursed necklace? Why? Just why? I guess this will be my last post. I have been hiding in my room for about a week now, and my parents have practically given up trying to reach out to me. Even if they did, there's nothing they could do about it anyway. I've gotten used to the stare of the necklace. It's my new home of sorts. My liquid-like body can fit into the eye with no problem. Before I got the necklace, I saw everyone as a friend, family member, or even lover. But now, with the help of the eye, I see them as something else. Something far more practical. Food. 
Before it's too late, I'll explain to you the methods of my feeding. I return to the confines of the necklace's eye. That is until I find a suitable host. Then I slowly begin to torture them with the very things that tortured me when I had the necklace. And when the time is right, I eat them alive and feast on their body. My favorite part is the brain, the soft bubblegum taste of it in my mouth. Tastes incredible. The viscid texture is pleasing as well, so much that I can chew it like a piece of gum. After my satiating consumption of the host, their memories and the accuracy of their vision will enhance my own, allowing me to find more hosts. Now, you may be wondering, why are you telling this to me now? Well, there's a very simple answer to that. I don't want you to die. I want you to warn everyone you love before it's time to feed again. Then again, your efforts will still be in vain as your crimson blood exits your body and your muscles explode under my grip. I will still make you suffer. Hear those beautiful vocals of screams and smell the sweet scent of iron in the air. I will still yearn for the sticky blood that's so moist and incredibly warm to trickle down my hairs. I want to greedily devour as much as I can in my overzealousness. There's probably no point in trying to stop me. For when my hunger begins to rise once more, I will devour you. You can't hide. I'm always watching. I hope you enjoyed our terrifying bunny rabbit's tale that gnaw on the cruel and nasty and the demonification process in Evil Eye that tears the body down and builds it back up into a horrific form. Truly monstrous. I've included both authors in the show notes should you wish to pursue their tales further. There is something about body horror that I really enjoy exploring, whether it's film or written media. Classics like Slither, The Fly, or even body horror like The Blob, the newer version, or my absolute favorite, John Carpenter's The Thing. The imagination aspect and manipulation of flesh and blood is really freaky and terrifying, that we get to witness something truly unique and strangely original. Talking about The Thing, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's a classic cult film for a reason, and it has Kurt frickin' Russell in it as the main protagonist. What I particularly like about The Thing is the detective and investigative aspect, where you don't know who is infected. And that's always why I enjoy body horror, because you just never know what the heck you're going to end up seeing, horrific or otherwise. Thanks for listening. If this is the part with your head off, then have a wonderful night or day. You can support the show through Patreon by searching Patreon and SFGT and I'll be there. Or you can email me at storiesfablesghostlytales at gmail.com to reach me personally for feedback or to say good day. Now I want to thank my Ode Knight T Titan for the amazing support, majestic and magical Maya. Thank you immensely for your top tier support and as a Hall of Famer I just want to say how grateful I am for your support in general and over the years. 
and how much you've positively influenced the show. Forever remembered Maya, you're a legend. And my white tea warlord Leza Bauer, the man with superpowers, mate, thanks to you, I've been able to really flex some sound effects in today's episode, new music, new special effects, new vocals, and well, a whole new everything. Your support goes a very, very long way, and I've been in the game long enough to make sure every dollar we do matters. Thank you so much, Leza. You're a super legend. And my epic and amazing El Grain forces, Just Heather, Juicebox Andy, Peter Raffelli, Michelangelo Yacone, Divided by Zero, Leah Fassig, Alia Arcane, Solstra, Paige Kramer, and my remaining supporters, Catherine Mason and Sunshine Days. Thank you all for listening, you loveliest of people. Now, write your story, share your tale, make it creepy, or something silly about a snail. But remember that little tremor that crawls up your spine, or the tingle that makes you smile from a perfect plotline. That's the magic of storytelling. Like tea, it's divine. You took the time to listen to me, and you think that it was your treat. But I thank you, my friends, for the listen. And as always... Till next we meet.